0: Oh my goodness, you crazy son of a bitch. Do you have any idea what you've just done? You've just discovered the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is the show that may or may not be an hour long based on your perception of time and how much I've got to say. So strap yourselves in and prepare your ears for the journey of a lifetime with your host of the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour, me. Yeah, idiot. Welcome to the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour. This is episode number seventy-five, and I am your host, as I always am. My name is Martin Lestraps, and I am pleased to be here for the seventy-fifth time. And I'm I'm even more than that. I am thrilled to have you joining me, for what I imagine is your seventy-fifth time, at the very least. Coming to this podcast or it's entirely possible that despite my 75 efforts, I was going to say my 75 previous efforts, but that wasn't correct. And I was going to try to fake my way through it like I didn't fuck up, but I kind of did. So despite my 74 previous efforts and this, my current effort, which is effort number 75 for you listener this might very well be your very first time listening to the podcast and in fact i always kind of sort of assume that every week uh, at least a few of you are going to be hearing this show for the first time so if that if that's you if i'm talking to you right now and you you know who you are don't don't make me say your name you know exactly who you are if this is your first time listening to the podcast then welcome. I'm thrilled to have you here. What'd you think? You were in trouble or something? I'm not mad at you. I'm glad that you're here. Of course, I also hope you enjoy this episode. And even more than that, if you do enjoy this episode, I hope you go backwards and listen to the previous 74, because between you and me, I think you'll like them. Anyway, it is uh, it's Sunday evening. It's June 28th, 2015. And I'm sitting here all alone at the Martin Trap Show podcast, Our Studios. Um, I had lunch with Chanel a few hours ago, lest anybody thinks that she and I don't actually hang out outside of this podcast. We do. We do hang out. It's part of the reason we got married, is we like hanging out together. Uh, so we had lunch a few hours ago, but she is otherwise unavailable, um... If she becomes available at any point during this recording, then rest assured, I will make a point of dragging her onto this episode. I also don't want you to get your hopes up because I have no idea if she's going to be available. And if she's not, then, um, you know, I'll, I'll let you know as soon as I know. So for any of these Chanel fans, I'd hate for you to get disappointed if you don't, in fact, hear Chanel on this episode. Now, before I lose myself down a rabbit hole of digressions, uh, the, I want to tell you about the core of this week's episode. And so the core of this week's episode is going to be an audio reading from The Vampire, The Hunter, and The Girl, which, as many of you already know, is book one of The Vampire and The Hunter trilogy. So I'm very excited to do that for you guys in just a little bit, uh, but... But 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 before I get to the audio reading, let me tell you about my day yesterday, which for anybody keeping score was June twenty seventh, two thousand and fifteen. That it was yesterday was Saturday. Here's the thing: like right now, if you're listening to this episode uh, at at the at the at the exact earliest moment that it became available, then it's actually Monday, June twenty ninth. So I'm I'm whatever. You know what? I was gonna I was gonna do the uh, I was gonna do a little uh, a little calendar. Calendar uh, organizing for you, but why? Why the fuck you don't care, do you? Or maybe you do care. You know what? You probably do care. So you know, I I apologize. Why I shouldn't have cut myself off like that. So uh, so right now in this very moment, it's June twenty eighth, two thousand fifteen. Yesterday was Saturday, June twenty seventh, two thousand and fifteen. Uh, and I mentioned that specifically because I had a great day yesterday. Uh, because I was uh, I was a part of a really really wonderful writers panel called the Elements of Genre, and it was just a couple of months ago that I was actually invited to be a panelist on the Elements of Genre panel, uh, which uh, in 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 whole uh, it's it's one panel, but it's part of a larger um, it's part of a larger. Uh, uh, Summer program, I suppose we can call it. It's part of an amazing program called the Summer Writing Project. The Summer Writing Project. It's an annual collaboration between Black Hill Press, Juke Pop, and eighteen eighty eight, which advocates writing and supports reading. So, of course, uh, if you know anything about me, you know that I am both uh, a lover, a supporter, and ultimately an advocate of writing and reading. So this is a, so this is you know right up my alley and I couldn't have been you know more honored that they, that they asked me to be a part of it. Now, both Black Hill Press and Juke Pop, they champion two abandoned mediums. Black Hill Press fights for the novella, a distinctive and often overlooked literary form that offers the focus of a short story and the scope of a novel. And Juke Pop is rejuvenating the lost art of the serial. So both Black Hill Press and, and Juke Pop are both doing really, really cool and really wonderful things uh, in in the publishing world. So again, you know, they're collaborating on the summer writing project, which is taking place through the months of June, July, and August. So you know, together they're partnering with local bookstores, libraries, and universities as they put together a series of educational lectures, panels, and workshops for the for the community, specifically uh the community of southern california even more specifically than that uh the community of uh, of orange county california and uh i think i might have been uh, on my particular panel i'm pretty sure i was the only uh i was the only uh, I was the only participant who um, wasn't local to to orange county um but you know what I, that that's, that's neither here nor there it's just you know for the sake of anybody who cared about that information, I was just uh, pointing that out. But anyway, as I mentioned a few moments ago, I was invited to be a panelist as a part of these elements of genre panel. Uh, the The panel took place at a really, really cool bookstore in Orange County in the city of Orange, I guess to be uh, to be specific, uh, a really cool bookstore called Book Carnival. And uh, just had a great time. The other two authors that were on the panel, uh, along with myself, were Kate St. Clair and Tammy Salyer. Now, Kate, she's the author of the young adult novella, Spelled and Cursed. And Tammy is the author of the Spectrus Arise trilogy, which is a series of science fiction novels. Now, you loyal listeners of this podcast, and again, uh, if you are that listener, and this is who for for which this is your very first episode listening, don't feel bad. you have every every opportunity to become a loyal listener, and if you do decide be, to become one of my loyal listeners, just know I will welcome you with open arms uh but uh, but for the time being, technically, I suppose I'm not talking to you but uh, but you know down the line, I will talk to you. Uh, if and when you become a loyal listener, but for those of you uh, who are loyal listeners of this podcast, you will likely remember Tammy Sawyer from episode sixty-five, where she and I had just a really, really wonderful conversation about writing and publishing, and uh, Tom Robbins, who is, uh, but you know, for, for the both of us, one of our fair, one of our very, our very favorite writers, if not our favorite writer. I don't know if she and I. Uh, Decided that we also talked about uh, Tammy jumping out of planes on purpose, which is something that I, I don't suspect is ever going to happen in, in my lifetime, uh, and I don't feel bad about that. Just in case you were you were curious, I don't feel bad about the very high probability that I will never jump out of an airplane on purpose. Now, uh, if you haven't listened to episode sixty-five. You're kind of sort of missing out, and uh, I would encourage you to go back and listen to episode 65, but not yet. You should finish this episode first, and then go backwards and listen to my chat with Tammy, because I think you'll enjoy it. Now, back to the panel, uh, you can't have a panel without a moderator. You need somebody there who's running the show, who's uh, who's got some questions, who's got some topics, who's keeping everything organized. Because otherwise, if you don't have a moderator uh, or a moderator, if I can say that correctly, if you don't have a moderator, you just have three authors sitting in front of a uh, in front of some microphones at a table staring at, at, at an audience uh, without a clue of what to say. So our moderator was uh, the the delightful and uh, very talented John Barrett Ingalls. And he's also an author uh, – and not only is he an author, but he's an author of the recently published novella, How to Succeed by Failing. So I was surrounded by just a really, really talented group of writers. And I just, I, you know, I, I, I felt I couldn't have felt more lucky and honored to be there because it was, it was just really a wonderful time. And just the, the panel overall, I just had a terrifically good time just being a part of the panel and uh, engaging with the other authors and talking to the audience and answering questions and talking about uh well talking about writing primarily uh but also talking about the uh, publishing specifically the panel was put together to talk about uh genre fiction and uh so so we did some of that and uh, the audience i, I, I want to mention the audience was outstanding if anybody from the the audience at the genre uh, the the, the writing genre panel did i fucking get the name wrong see i'm, I'm, I'm so excited about this that I, I feel like i'm already getting the name wrong either way if you were in the audience uh, on june 27th of book carnival for the for the elements of genre panel that i was a part of then you should know you guys were outstanding and you may you were a big part of what made that experience so much fun so the audience was outstanding they were very engaged they were laughing and listening and asking great questions during the the QA and Tammy and Kate, my fellow authors on the panel, they were both uh, just just outstanding and John was a, a wonderful moderator and i I'm telling you I you know if it were up to me I would we I would get everybody together and do this at least once a week if not more than that I you know because it was I just had a great time now. Uh, my particular role on the panel, cause I mean, they, they invited me for a specific reason and it's because I'm, uh, I'm very, I, am I'm, I'm something of a horror author. You heard me stutter a little bit, <laughs> a little bit there. Um, and, uh, again, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to my loyal listeners. You might remember on episode 59 of this podcast, I spent an hour or so meditating on the horror genre as uh, specifically, uh, you know, you heard me parsing out whether or not I was a horror author, um, because up to this point, I've I've only published two novels: Inside the Outside, and The Vampire, The Hunter, and The Girl. Each of those novels are horror novels, so you know, it's not an unfair thing to call me a horror author. I just don't necessarily think of myself as a horror author, but I but I write. Up to this point, I've only written horror novels. And uh, and and I do love the genre of horror, both in uh in, in you know literature, television, and movies, and uh, uh, comic books, and, and video games, and I I love it. So you know I was I was very happy to represent the horror genre on the panel and to to, to talk about the horror genre uh, specifically from you know from from my point of view because you know I, I I don't I wouldn't consider myself an expert. In the horror genre, but I do like it very much, and I do have uh, thoughts and opinions about it. So I was I was very happy to to play that part on uh, on on the panel. And all in all, I I I think I did all right. I think I represented myself well on on the panel, so I feel pretty good about that. Now here's the good news: uh, if you weren't able to attend, if you were if if you were listening to this podcast right now, and you're thinking to yourself that sounds like a pretty good time. And I'm kind of disappointed that I missed it. If that's you, here's the good news. Uh, The the conversation on the panel, the whole conversation, including the Q&A at the end, it was recorded and it's going to be presented as an episode of the How and the Why podcast. The How and the Why podcast is a really great Uh, podcast that's uh that's uh, produced if i'm not mistaken by 1888 who's also one of the organizers of the summer writing project and the how and the white podcast incidentally is also hosted by john barrett Ingalls, who is also the moderator of uh of of the panel so of course it makes sense it's going to be part of the podcast moderated the podcast or or he moderated the panel he's also the host of the podcast yeah it's they're they're just they're very economical with their efforts and I have great respect for that. Now as I mentioned at the very beginning of this episode, I am going to do an audio reading from The Vampire, The Hunter and the Girl, and I'm doing this for a couple of reasons. One reason is because when I started this podcast way back in January of 2014, and even before that, when the Martin Lestrap show podcast hour was just just an idea in my head, that I was kicking around and trying to figure out whether or not I could even pull it off. Even before I had a name for this podcast, even before I knew I was going to call this the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour, and I was just just you know, walking around having conversations with Chanel saying, you know, I really love podcasts, and I like listening to them, and I think it'd be fun to do one. I think I can do one. I don't know if I can do a podcast. What would it be about if I did a podcast? I'm not sure. I'd probably talk about writing. That kind of makes sense. Uh, but what else would I do? I don't know. Oh, I have an idea. This would be a really good opportunity to do audio readings of my work, since up to this point, I don't have any audio books. So if I did audio readings of my work and put them on the podcast, that'd be a great opportunity to to share my work and then introduce people to my writing, for, especially if they otherwise haven't read it. Right? These were some of the conversations I was having, like, way back in, uh, before 2014, really, in 2013. So so, when I started the podcast, and as I said, even before I started it, doing audio readings, it was always part of the plan. I always planned on doing audio readings on this podcast. Now, uh, that said, as of this episode, I've only done one audio reading on the podcast, which occurred on episode eight, all the way back on uh, March 18th, 2014, which is almost a year to the day that I published... The Vampire, The Hunter, and The Girl, which I published uh, March 20, 2015. I'm only just now doing that math, so that's kind of a fascinating coincidence, I think. Or not. You know what? Fuck it. That's not a coincidence at all. It's just, I don't even know what it is. It's just information. It's not interesting or not. It's just fucking information. So whatever. Do what you want to do with that that information. But anyway, on episode 8, I did an audio reading of my short story, Footsteps, and uh, and I thought it turned out really cool and kind of creepy, and uh, got some really nice responses to it, and so I thought that was cool. And that's and especially because it's episode eight, that was very early into the history of the Marginless Trap Show podcast hour. That was roughly two months into into the run of this podcast, and so I thought wonderful that went well. I look forward to doing that again, and so. Again, turns out to be episode 75, and just in case you've lost count, or better than that, if my math is correct, that is 67 episodes between audio readings, and that's, uh, that was not part of the plan. I did not plan on going 67 episodes between audio readings, so, uh, so to say that a second audio reading is overdue would be uh, an understatement. So so that's one reason, uh, one big reason why I'm doing an audio reading this week, uh, just because it's it's just fucking long overdue. Now, the second reason, and on the whole, the more exciting and relevant reason, is that book two of The Vampire and the Hunter Trilogy will be published this week. This very week, book two of The Vampire and the Hunter Trilogy is going to be published and I am fucking over the moon excited. I cannot wait to put this book out. Uh, the the title of book two, just for anybody who doesn't know or perhaps you forgot, is the Vampire, the Hunter, and the Witch. So book one of the trilogy, the Vampire, the Hunter, and the Girl, which I'll be reading to you, a reading to uh, a reading to you from. Fuck me, I can't even get it right, but whatever. I think you know what I mean. I'll be reading from it shortly book two coming out this week, The Vampire, The Hunter, and The Witch. And it's going to be published on Saturday, July 4th. So that's just a few days away. Saturday, July 4th, The Vampire, The Hunter, and The Witch is going to be available. And God damn it, I couldn't be any more excited. So that's the other reason I'm doing an audio reading, is it just kind of made sense in my head to do an audio reading from uh, from book one to kind of help get uh, not to, to 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 help get you guys excited, to help get some get some uh, get some mojo brewing, you know to uh, to 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 get everybody ready for the for the publication of book two. Um, in fact, uh, just yesterday I posted a book trailer for the vampire, the hunter, and the witch, uh, and I would love it if you went and checked it out. You can find it on uh, martinlestraps.com. That's my that's my author website. It's a it's a website that's separate from the official website of this podcast. So but if you if, if you went to the official website of this podcast or if you're currently on the official website of this podcast, which of course is martinlestrapsshow.com, dot com, you can get to my author website from there. You know, just click on blog and it'll take you to martinlestraps.com. Once you get to marginlesscraps.com, you'll see a section called Videos. Just click on Videos, and once you get there, you will be able to watch the book trailer for The Vampire, the Hunter, and the Witch. So watch that. Uh, so that, along with uh, today's audio reading, which I'll be doing in, uh, in just a moment, uh, hopefully will, uh, will get you appropriately excited for the launch of Book 2 of The Vampire and the Hunter Trilogy. Fuck me, I'm excited. Cannot wait. Can't wait! You'd think I, you, you know, you would think that I have no idea what the book is about, considering that uh, that that you know that I wrote it. But based on how excited I am for it to come out, you would think that I'm waiting for it to come out so I can kind of, so I can read this this book. You know, the funny thing is, in a way, I, I I know what it's about, but you'd be surprised how much of my books I forget. I if 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 you knew how often I picked up one of my books and flipped through the pages, and read a random scene, and had absolutely no memory of writing it, and just thinking, wow, that's pretty good. Who the fuck wrote that? I don't remember writing that, but it's in my book, so I guess I wrote it. Happens all the time, so, you know, whatever. So yeah, that's even more reason for me to be excited, because I can't wait to see what this book is about. So before I start the reading, I just want to specify what I'll actually be reading from beyond the book itself, The Vampire, the Hunter, and the Girl. Uh, Specifically, I'm going to read the, the beginning of the book. So I'm going to read the prologue to The Vampire, the Hunter, and the Girl, and I'm also going to read chapter one, The Vampire. So the title of chapter one is called The Vampire. So I'm going to read you the prologue, and I'm going to read you chapter one. Sorry, I just had a a momentary audio issue. So if you heard me, um, uh, you know, sounding confused there, I was just trying to figure out the uh, the audio issue happening here. All right. Well. Anyway, I hope you guys are uh, I hope you guys are as excited about this audio reading as I am. Uh, I hope it uh, I hope it goes well. You know, between between me and you. I hope this goes all right. I guess I have nothing else to say. This is probably as good a place as any to get started with the reading, right? But what the fuck are we waiting for? Without further ado, let the audio reading begin. The Vampire and the Hunter Trilogy book one the vampire the hunter and the girl prologue somewhere beneath the earth through the dirt and below the sewers past the roots and beyond the rocks was an underground palace with tall marble walls and elegant paintings fireplaces the size of bedrooms and tuxedoed servants who moved swiftly and quietly of the hundreds and thousands of rooms within this palace there was one particularly big room with walls so high the light turned black before it reached the ceiling. Like every other room in the palace, it had a fireplace and elegant paintings, but unlike every other room, it had three chairs lined up side by side at its center, each respectively occupied by the vampire, the hunter, and the girl. The three of them had burlap sacks over their heads, concealing their vision. One of the palace's swift and quiet servants entered the marble room through its exceedingly tall doors, approaching the vampire, the hunter, and the girl, removing the burlap sacks from their heads. As the trio looked around, trying to figure out where they were, the servant made a swift and quiet exit. While they could now see their surroundings, they couldn't move to explore them as their arms and legs were strapped to their respective chairs. "'What's going on?' asked the hunter. "'This feels like a dream,' said the girl. "'This is no dream,' said the vampire. Their voices echoed up the tall marble walls, trailing off somewhere in the darkness. The tall doors opened again, and another tuxedoed servant entered the room with such swift quietude that he seemed almost to float as he walked to the fireplace, which was burning logs the size of full-grown trees.' The servant pushed a button on the marble wall beside the fireplace, and in an instant, the fire inside doubled in size, sending a wave of heat through the air. "'Excuse me,' said the girl to the servant. "'What's going on?' The servant, however, ignored the girl and her question before exiting the tall marble room. Once again alone, the vampire, the hunter, and the girl sat silently, Each of them equally confused as to where they were, and, more importantly, why they were there together. The tall doors opened once again, and a long red rug unrolled towards the trio, stopping at their feet. A couple dozen tuxedoed servants poured through the open doors, lining up shoulder to shoulder on either side of the red rug. From the darkness of the open doors, a methodical clicking of heels sounded. "'growing louder and louder "'until a tall, handsome figure "'appeared in the doorway. "'The servants all dropped to one knee, "'bowing their heads as the handsome figure passed, "'walking down the long red rug. "'The figure, who was in fact their captor, "'wore a dark suit with a red tie. "'His black hair was slick and shiny, "'combed tight over a scalp, "'displaying a pointed widow's peak. "'His skin was pale his cheeks sharp. His lips were rosy and his teeth white, each of them perfectly straight, not a molar out of place. When the tall, handsome figure reached the end of the rug, four or more of his servants entered the marble room with a large throne made of solid gold and red velvet, setting it down behind him. Without looking back, the handsome figure sat down. He looked over each of his guests, the vampire, the hunter, the hunter, and the girl, smiling as he crossed his legs, setting his hands in his lap. All at once, the servants poured out of the tall marble room, shutting the doors behind them, leaving their master alone with his guests. Hello, he said. Welcome to my home. I am Dracula. Chapter One The Vampire Adam first sucked Olivia's blood in the sandbox of Heritage Park, stopping briefly to yank the silver crucifix from her neck as it seared a red cross into the top of his hand. Kneeled beneath the jungle gym, with Olivia cradled in his arms, Adam buried his face into the nape of her neck, his fangs breaking the skin down to her throbbing carotid artery. She moaned as he entered her, blood trickling down, pooling in the shallow dip of her clavicle. Adam felt the air move as her eyelids fluttered shut. He'd been waiting for this moment for so long, to feel her blood pulsing over his lips, delicious and warm. His head spun, dizzy with satisfaction, the full moon overhead flanked by an unmotivated flock of sparsely present stars. Adam had watched Olivia from afar for weeks, biding his time. He knew her routine, knew her schedule. He knew when she worked at the strip club and when she worked at the bowling alley. On this night, when Adam would finally pull the trigger, Olivia was working a late shift at the bowling alley. Adam waited outside, amongst the darkness, watching as she exited through the sliding doors, finally done for the night. She walked through the mostly empty parking lot hurrying to her car the sweet smell of fear lifting from her pores like the sugary perfume of a pastry shop as olivia passed him in the darkness unaware of his presence adam engaged his amplified vampire senses taking her in smelling the coffee and donuts she'd had for breakfast the veggie burger and fries she had for lunch the shot of tequila she'd had an hour earlier to help get her through her shift He could smell the hybrid odor of metal and gasoline from the pump, the offensive smell mingling with her sweet scent as she nervously ran her hand along her neck. He could smell the heavy scent of smoke in her hair and the salty layer of dried perspiration on her skin. He could hear her irritated throat, tender from yelling over loud music and drunken bowlers. As she reached her car, he could hear the silent pulse of Olivia's cell phone vibrating in her purse. "'quickening the beat of her heart, "'exasperating her already heightened state of anxiety. "'She watched as she burrowed her hand through her purse, "'searching for her keys, "'cursing under her breath for not taking them out "'before she exited the bowling alley. "'Only after she was in her car, doors locked, "'exhaling a relieved breath inside of her illusion of safety, "'did Olivia check her phone to see who'd called. "'Pressing the phone to her ear, "'she listened to the voicemail.' Adam listened as well, lying belly down atop the roof of her car. Hey, Olivia, it's Jesus. Just checking to see if you wanted to grab something to eat. Maybe we could watch a movie at my place or something. I'm going to be up for a while, so call me back when you get this. Later. Adam gripped the edges of her roof with his fingertips, his vampire strength holding him steady, no matter how fast she drove, how hard she turned exiting the parking lot, Olivia cracked her window open, unwittingly giving Adam access to her delicious scent. Foothill Boulevard was practically empty, save for a few random cars. Olivia accelerated, pushing her car up to 50 miles per hour, the rush of wind pouring over Adam, blowing his hair back as they got onto the 210 freeway. Adam would have been incapable of keeping up with Olivia's car despite his ability to sprint faster than any of the fastest humans on earth. Blood burned through his system like a combustion engine, so even if he were silly enough to try and chase down Olivia's car by foot, Adam would rapidly burn through the source of his amplified physical abilities. These weren't the sorts of lessons a vampire learned on their own. It was the responsibility of the vampire's maker to teach them how to exist in the world. The maker served the role of caretaker and mentor. Even when vampires were capable of taking care of themselves, they usually stayed with their maker for as long as possible. Adam's maker was a female named Cherry. Don't take your strength for granted, Cherry told him. A prudent vampire will never find himself desperate for blood. If you ever find that you're running low, it means you've made a series of bad decisions. If you only ever learn one thing from me, just remember that a weak vampire is a vulnerable vampire, even to humans. Olivia exited onto Carnelian Street, which Adam was expecting, as that's how she always drove home. What he wasn't expecting, however, was for her to turn left, due north, towards Heritage Park, instead of right, due south, towards her apartment. Up to this point in his hunt, Adam knew exactly what to expect. But now, with Olivia taking an uncommon turn, he found himself feeling the excitement of the unknown, a pleasure he rarely enjoyed anymore. In his human days, Adam took for granted how much he didn't know about the world, This was especially true when he was a kid. When the adults around him knew things that he didn't know, the difference between the Congress and the Senate, for instance, or which religion was right, Adam took it as affirmation that if you lived long enough, you'd learn a great many things. And one of the first things Adam learned upon becoming a vampire was that immortality lasts a long, long time. He was still young for a vampire, only 30 years old. If he were still human, he'd be 60. In terms of immortality, 30 years was a blink of the eye, a snap of the fingers. With that first blink, Adam learned he could get by without having a job, which was nice. If he needed money, there was always a way to get it. And when you're immortal, you have more time to save money and fewer reasons to spend it. But while money wasn't an issue for Adam boredom generally was. Being immortal didn't make time move any faster. Minutes were still minutes, years were years, seconds seconds. So if you couldn't figure out ways to pass the time, being a vampire would become extremely boring in a hurry. When they weren't on the lookout for human blood, passing time for vampires was much the same as passing time for humans So, in the interest of trying to pacify his boredom, Adam did the same things he would have done if he were still human, which included bowling. Adam had been bowling a lot more lately, though there was a long period of time, after becoming a vampire, where he hadn't bowled at all. The main reason he'd stopped was because it was at the bowling alley where Cherry turned him. Despite their eventual friendship... Adam didn't regard the memory of his turning fondly. When it came time to becoming a vampire, Adam wasn't given a choice. No reasonable choice, anyhow. He hated Cherry for a long time. Hated her for taking away that which made him human. Hated her for taking him away from his wife. Before he was a vampire, Adam was married to a lovely woman named Emily. Poor Emily. She had no idea what happened to her husband, why he disappeared from her life. One night he went to work at the bowling alley, and without word or warning, she never saw him again. Adam never did get to say a proper goodbye to Emily, and because of it, he held his resentment towards Cherry for a good decade or so. Listen, Cherry told him. One of the most important laws guiding us vampires is we can't carry on relationships with humans, regardless of the circumstances, even if the human in question used to be your wife. I know you're upset with me, and I'm sorry about that, but there's nothing that can be done about it. For better or worse, the law is the law. Because she was the only vampire he knew, Adam accepted Cherry's mentorship and companionship. It would be a long while, however, before he accepted her friendship. Vampires, for the most part, lose their connection to humanity over time. For some vampires, it can be quick, almost instantaneous, while for others it may take two or three centuries. And still, for other vampires, it may take even longer than that. Adam still had many attachments to his former humanity, namely Emily In time, he accepted that he could never be a part of Emily's life again, but he never accepted being away from her. Nearly every day of his vampire life, Adam sat in the tree he'd once planted with Emily in their backyard. From that perch, he watched Emily through the windows of his former home, living out her mortal life one breath at a time. For a very long time, Adam's routine as a vampire boiled down to hanging with Cherry, drinking blood at the barber shop, and watching Emily. Cherry knew Adam watched Emily from afar, and while she didn't approve of it, she didn't bother him about it. She herself had no such connections, and hadn't for a very, very long time, but Cherry could still appreciate that Adam did, and probably always would, at least until Emily died her inevitable death. When Adam wasn't spending time perched in his former tree, Cherry taught him how to hunt for blood and how to be social with other vampires. She let him live in her home and drive her car. She gave him someone to laugh with, a companion to tally the years. They grew so close that Adam could hardly remember ever hating Cherry at all. And then, one night, she was gone. He had no idea of what had happened to her. It wasn't unusual for Adam to wake up and find Cherry gone but because she always came back, he learned not to worry. It was only when Cherry's absence went from days to weeks that he feared the worst. None of his vampire acquaintances knew anything about where Cherry was, or what might have happened to her. When the weeks turned to months, Adam had no choice but to accept that Cherry was never coming back. He knew without question that she wouldn't have abandoned him, and while it wasn't unheard of for vampires to kill themselves, Adam also knew Cherry wouldn't have taken her own life. She loved being a vampire far too much. As far as Adam was concerned, there was only one possible explanation. "'Vampire hunters,' Cherry told him. "'They're real, very real. Have you ever seen one?' "'No.' "'How can you be sure, then?' "'I can't be sure,' Cherry said. You can't ever be sure of something you've never seen. It's about faith. I believe it. I've known too many vampires. Good vampires who've disappeared for no good reason. A lot of the boys at the barber shop think it's silly talk. Some sort of fairy tale meant to keep vampires in line. A boogeyman. While I've never seen one with my own eyes, you can trust me when I tell you. Vampire hunters are as real as the fangs beneath your lips. I know vampires disappear sometimes, Adam said, but couldn't there be other reasons? Mark my words, Cherry said. If I ever disappear, know that it was a vampire hunter who took me away. Adam never would learn what happened to her, whether a vampire hunter killed her or she simply fell asleep under the sun. The reality was Cherry was gone and she was never coming back. Not ever. Without her around, Adam found himself to be quite lonely and bored. Hoping only to pass the time and curb his boredom, Adam went back to the place where Cherry had turned him, the bowling alley. And it was there inside the bowling alley, sitting in the bar as he waited for a lane to open up, that Adam first laid eyes on Olivia. It would be several weeks after seeing her that first night that Adam would finally decide to strike. Lying on the roof of her car, feeling the wind in his face, Adam thought about his prior days, scoping Olivia's apartment complex, and how his initial plans might have to be amended. He'd originally planned on hiding in the darkness behind the dumpster adjacent to her bedroom window. The dumpster was inside of a cinder block shed, topless so as to give residents easy access when taking out their trash. There was room enough between the grimy steel of the dumpster and the cinderblock walls for Adam to have his way with Olivia. He'd imagined hiding in the shed, waiting for her to pass. When she was within reach, he would snatch her. Even if there were people around, his speed and stealth, in conjunction with the night sky, would keep anybody from noticing. And of course, if that weren't good enough and there were any witnesses, there was not a human in the Inland Empire... Capable of disciplining him. At least, no human that Adam was yet aware of. But instead of her apartment complex, Olivia drove up the hill to Heritage Park, about five minutes away from where she lived. She parked on the street alongside the fenced off walking trail. As she got out of the car, Adam slid off of the roof, quiet as a ghost, ducking beneath the windows. He maneuvered his way around the car, concealing himself from Olivia's view as she walked past, climbing over the short fence and into the park. He watched her walk along the trail, passing the sandbox and its jungle gym. When she stopped at the crest of the long grassy hill, Adam stalked behind her. Fast. Quiet. He stood behind her for a moment, looking over the city down below, smelling the fear as it lifted from her pores like she knew what was about to happen. He wrapped his arms around her body, hugging her from behind, pulling her backwards. Moving at such great speed, Olivia's hair flew forward like she was standing with her back to a turbojet. And in a matter of seconds, they were in the sandbox. Beneath the jungle gym, Olivia cradled in Adam's powerful arms, his fangs piercing her virginal flesh. was fun. Right? Did you guys enjoy that? I hope you enjoyed it. Uh as 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 far as you're concerned, I I can see you nodding your head. Yes, there's a smile on your face. Uh that you know you're you're What are you doing? I was going to say you're drooling, but I don't know why you'd be drooling. Maybe maybe you enjoyed it so much that you went comatose and you started drooling. I don't know. Anyway, uh, that was fun, so I hope you enjoyed it. Um, and I also plan on not going another 67 episodes between audio readings. I do plan on making this a, a more regular part of the podcast. So if you did enjoy it, you can expect this to become uh, a little bit more of a regular feature on the podcast. Now, if you did enjoy the audio audio reading that I just did for you, and you haven't yet bought yourself a copy of The Vampire, the Hunter, and the Girl, then what are you waiting for? You should go to Amazon.com and get yourself a copy of The Vampire, the Hunter, and the Girl. But wait. Before you do, first go to the official website of this podcast, MartinLestrapsshow.com. Once you get there, click on the shop page. And on the shop page, you're going to see an Amazon banner. Click that banner, and it's going to take you to Amazon. Once you're there, you can do all the same shopping you would otherwise do, except by doing your shopping through the podcast's official website, Amazon kicks back a few pennies our way, and then we get to take those pennies and reinvest them back into the show. And that allows us to make the Martin LaStrap Show podcast hour as good as we can possibly make it for you, which is precisely what we strive to do week after week after week. Uh, but it's even easier than that. If you go to the shop page on uh, at, at martinlestrapshow.com, you'll see the cover for the vampire, the hunter, and the girl. You can't miss it. It's a big red heart in the shape of a coffin. There's a stake going through it. At the tip of the stake is a drop of blood. But that drop of blood is actually formed in, into the shape of a woman. So she's hanging off the top. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, cover. Uh, it was, you know, the, the, the cover. In fact, all the covers for the Vampire and the Hunter trilogy were designed by the, the, the amazingly talented artist Rowan Stocks Moore. So you should check out his work. He's fantastic. But anyway, look for the cover and then just click on the cover and that'll take you straight to Amazon and even more conveniently than that, it's going to take you to the specific Amazon page where you can buy the book and then uh, you can get yourself a copy. You can buy it in print or you can buy yourself a, a digital copy, so you can you can buy the e-book. Get, get get yourself both. Treat yourself. You know what? You you've been good, and quite frankly, you don't take you you don't take enough care of yourself. You don't treat yourself enough. You are, you you are very you're a loving and a generous person. You take care of everybody. That's what you do. You take care of everybody around you. And what I want to do right now. Is I want to give you permission to take care of you, you know, treat you. It's gonna feel good, I promise. So buy yourself both a print and a digital copy of The Vampire, The Hunter, and The Girl, and you know, thank me later. Thank, thank, thank me after you've you've read it. It's it's, it's you know, I do this for you. So so go 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 take care of that. Um. Oh, you know what? Before I forget. Uh, During the audio reading, I used some really wonderful and uh, appropriately creepy music. So the the music that you heard during the audio reading was written and composed by my amazingly talented big brother, Greg Lestraps. Uh, Greg has yet to be on the podcast, but he'll be on here soon at some point. I don't know when he's going to be on the podcast. I know he listens to the podcast. So, in fact, you know, if you guys don't mind, I'll just take a brief moment to talk to my brother, Greg. Hey, asshole, when are you going to be on the podcast? Fuck. The fuck do I have to do besides be your brother to get you on my goddamn show? But thanks for listening. Um, but anyway, very talented. Very talented. His name is Greg Lestraps. If you want to hear more of his music, and even beyond that, because he does more than compose music, he's very talented and prolific in what he does. Check out his website. You can find that at greglestraps.com. And while you're there at greglestraps.com, there is a very high probability that you could find some video footage, some short films that involve me acting. Now, whether or not you want to put the word acting in quotation marks when 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 I say that, that's up to you. But uh go to greglestraps.com, check out the videos. There's a very good chance you're going to find videos of of me of me acting. Um I don't know why I'm telling you that. I'm probably uh I, you know, I, at the, at the risk of embarrassing myself, I'm I'll just make that information available to you. Do whatever you want with it. Uh, I guess that's going to do it for the podcast this week. Um I think we did well, huh? Yeah. With the audio reading and uh, and everything else. I think we had a good week this week. Uh if uh for those of you who um who aren't already subscribed, uh, I would encourage you to subscribe to the Martin the Show podcast hour on iTunes. It's available and it's free. Subscribe to the show and you get every episode, all 75 episodes, including today. And once you subscribe, you'll also get every future episode. And even better than that, you don't have to remember to look for it because when you subscribe, just every week, a new episode drops right onto your phone or your computer or your iPad or wherever you wherever you keep your iTunes list. It's, it's, it's great. It's free. It's convenient. Um, and, of course, you'd be doing me a favor. So, you know, subscribe to the show, and that would be awesome. Uh also if you like the show and you are on iTunes whether you're subscribed or not it w- I would uh, I would consider it a huge favor if you took a minute to review the show. It w- it would it would mean a great deal to all of us here uh at the show so please do that. If you're not if you're not an iTunes listener cuz I know not everybody's an iTunes listener, you can also catch the show on Stitcher Radio. Again, it's free. It's uh you don't have to you don't have to subscribe to Stitcher. You can, but you don't have to. You can just go to stitcher.com and Look up my name and the show will come up, and you get all seventy-five episodes are going to be available. So again, free, super convenient, um, uh, and of course, if uh, you don't, if you're not uh, an iTunes or a Stitcher listener, then there's a in all likelihood you're listening to the show on the official website of the podcast, uh, which is super cool. Uh, however, you listen to the show, just know that I am. Absolutely thrilled and grateful every week that you guys come back to listen to the show. And for those of you who this was your first episode listening to the Martin Strap Show podcast hour, thank you so much for coming on, on onto the show. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed it. More than that, I hope you come back next week and for many, many weeks after that. And in the meantime, I hope you go backwards and listen to the previous episodes. Um, I I, I promise if you liked this episode, then I see no reason why you wouldn't enjoy the episodes that came before it. So so check those out. um. And that will officially do it. Uh, I mentioned at the very beginning of this, of this episode that if Chanel became available during the episode, I would drag her in here and make her talk. But as best as I can tell, Chanel is still not available, and I'm still sitting here alone in the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour studios. So... Sorry for the tea. Chanel's not here this week, but uh, I'll bring her back soon, so you guys can listen to her. Because I know, I know you guys like Chanel, and I'm sure many of you like Chanel more than you like me. So, whatever. I guess that's cool. Whatever gets you listening, I guess that's cool. My ego's fine. Don't worry about me. So, uh, so that'll do it. Wait, wait, hold on. Holy shit! Okay, there's actually a minor miracle happening. At the 11th hour, right here at the Marginalist Strap Show Podcast Hour, I was literally just about to wrap up this episode. And it's, it's like from the heavens, as, as if she knew uh, I was busy telling you guys that I was sorry for not having her on the show. My occasional co-host, co-host Chanel Chaco, is all of a sudden available right here in the Marginalist Trap Show Podcast Hour studios, so uh before I wrap up for good, I'm going to I'm going to drag Chanel in front of the microphone and uh have her uh talk for just a minute or so. So come on, say hi, Chanel.
1: Hello beautiful people. How are you?
0: So you guys thought I was lying. That's Chanel's voice. Now, uh Chanel, at the uh, during this episode you weren't here. I was telling the the listeners that the book 2 of the Vampire and the Hunter trilogy The Vampire, the Hunter, and the Witch comes out this week. How are you feeling about that?
1: You know, that's my second favorite book in the Vampire, the Hunter, and the Girl trilogy.
0: Oh, snap.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I said it. I'm not going to rank them for you.
0: Oh, shit. So you don't even know which one is her favorite. Yeah.
1: It could be not this one. I (laughs) guess I just said that this wasn't my favorite.
0: You kind of did, didn't you?
1: Maybe we should go back. But it's amazing, and maybe it is my favorite. It and just, might be her favorite. I'm just throwing you all off the stink so yeah. that you'll read it and be like, what? But this is so good.
0: Yes, that's, that's Chanel with some of her a little bit of trickster action. I yeah. was also telling them about the book trailer. What do you think about the book trailer? The
1: book trailer's fucking amazing. I love the super creepy music, and you guys need to watch it if you haven't already. And it's really good and literally gave me chills.
0: Oh, that's awfully sweet of you. The other thing about today's episode, which you wouldn't know because you weren't here, I actually did an audio reading of the prologue in Chapter 1 of The Vampire, the Hunter, and the Girl. You haven't heard it yet, so you actually have to wait until this episode comes out. But what are your thoughts on me doing an audio reading?
1: I think it would have been better if I would have done the audio reading.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, I think that's just about enough of you. Go ahead and say goodbye, Chanel.
1: Goodbye, everybody.
0: All right, get out of here. Uh, And that's going to do it for this week's episode, you guys. Uh, Thanks again for joining me. And until next time, I will see you on the other side.
1: Peace out, bitches.